Welcome to episode 7 of Coffee Chronicles, Stories Over Coffee. My name is Joseph Letter from the Black Six Coffee Trading Company, a veteran-owned coffee company that sources its own coffee and uses its profits to fund its own nonprofit, the Black Six Project. Our nonprofit uses the skills of military veterans and first responders to conduct disaster relief and humanitarian aid around the world. This episode is brought to you by Planet X Studios. If you're looking for a podcast recording studio, a film studio, and a photography studio, I can find the creative space to share your story, product, or vision all in one by hiring them for media services or utilizing their well-designed studios where we recorded the audio for this episode of the podcast. Visit planetx.life for more information. From the Black Six Coffee Trading Company, a veteran-owned coffee company that sources its own coffee and uses its profits to fund its own nonprofit, the Black Six Project. Our nonprofit uses the skills of military veterans and first responders to conduct disaster relief and humanitarian aid around the world. This episode is brought to you by Planet X Studios. If you're looking for a podcast recording studio, a film studio, and a photography studio, like you find the creative space to share your story, product, or vision all in one by hiring them for media services or utilizing their well-designed studios where we are recording the audio for this episode of the podcast. Visit planx.life for more information. This is a bit of a late release, but the topic and information is still relevant for today. In this episode, I interviewed Donald Darby. He's a friend and former co-worker I worked with when he was a paramedic. He's currently a registered nurse in one of New York's largest healthcare systems. He worked in one of the COVID-19 floors where they transformed different departments into units that care for very sick COVID-19 patients during the peak of the pandemic in New York. We talk about how he managed to handle the stress in caring for so many sick patients. Most importantly, he tells us how he was able to use proper nutrition and supplements to help keep his immune system strong and prevent himself and his family from getting sick. COVID-19 didn't have any proven drugs that could help fight the disease, so Donald researched and tested out different superfoods that would boost his immune system, and this helped him stay healthy and his family recover. Thank you for listening in. Welcome to the next episode of Coffee Chronicles, Stories Over Coffee. I'm Joseph Zaletta, founder of Black Six Coffee Training Company, and today I have a friend of mine, Donald Darby, former paramedic partner of mine. How are you doing today, Donald? Good, Joe. Glad to be here. Good, good. Is it all right if I call you Donald or Darby or Don? Because I just call you Darby. You know how we do. Whatever you want to call me, man. All right. I just call you the man. He's a man of many talents. (laughs) All right. So we're up early here in Brooklyn at Planet X's studio recording this podcast and today we're having some morning cold brew coffee well i am at least and what are you having for this really hot day in new york just having some regular iced coffee regular iced coffee Joe forgot to bring me his really good stuff so i had to <laughs> deal with the substandard local brew yeah oh uh, so 
Do you like your cold brew coffee or iced coffee with what kind of milk? You know, I loved oat milk, but uh, recently macadamia seems to be uh, a good either or. Macadamia yes. or um, oat milk is good. You know, originally, obviously, almond milk was a thing. Yes. But now, since the market is expanded, there's a lot more options going on. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying that it takes a lot more water to process almond milk. So a lot of the people who are, like, environmentally conscious are thinking of more of other nut milks besides almond milk, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, that no, makes sense. Almond milk is a lot of pulp left over. I know with cashew milk, you put it all in the blender and it's all gone. It pulverizes and it's drinkable. Yeah. You know, there's no there's, there's no wasted pulp that you have to discard or even deal with. Yeah, and my favorite is oat milk because you could steam it as the almost, I won't say the same, but almost the same creaminess of regular whole milk. That's what I like about. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. Yeah, I believe it's the oil that's in the oats. That yeah. Makes it, gives it that. All right, so let's... Uh, let's give a little background on what you do. Uh, like I said, uh, Darby was a former paramedic partner of mine. We used to work together at a fire department in Long Island. And uh, let me know, tell us about like how you got into the medical field. Uh, let's see. So back in like 95, I was in high school and I uh, took a vocational program through high school where half day you'd go to regular high school the other half you'd go to lpn school so when i graduated high school i was an lpn back in 97 and six years i worked in a nursing home and you know decided i need more to do like something more exciting so our in school was uh, the goal so that took me took me a little while to get started you know life is having fun a young guy with tons of cash out of high school is not normal um so which high school did you go to? Uh, Roosevelt High School. Oh, okay. Roosevelt um, High School here in uh, Nassau County. Uh huh. Yeah, it sounds familiar about the vocational part. Yeah, mm. so that was a, a great use of tax dollars that I really appreciate. Look at that little success success story of tax dollars. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so 2003 I became an RN, but even before that, 2001 I was actually in the ICU at a local hospital and uh, a city hospital in the ED. So a critical care experience goes back, you know, quite a few years. Um, became a medic after, kind of like the backwards way of most people. Most people are um, medics and become nurses. I was a medic and then became a nurse because the goal was always to be a flight nurse, which uh. I actually uh, got a chance to do out west for a couple of years. That was pretty cool. Yes, I remember that. You were like all over the country. Yeah, I was. I worked as a flight nurse from uh, Montana down to Texas. Mm-hmm. And I did a fixed wing and rotor wing. And also um, I ran a base for a short time until the company was bought out in the panhandle of Oklahoma, which is, uh, I'll tell the town, Guyman. I'm pretty sure no one listening to this podcast might not know where that is. But, <laughs> you know, people got to get to their hospitals, whether by air or ground. So majority of the transports, would they be by air? Yeah, yeah, they were they were by air. Um, if you took a ground bus out in rural area, you take that only bus out of service for like hours. Oh. And my usual flight was uh, about an hour and 15, hour and a half one way. Wow. So, yeah, so a mission would take quite a while. It's not a go run out and come back. Kind so the closest hospital would probably be like 50, 60 miles away. No, we're talking by air. You're doing 120 miles an hour, uh-huh. roughly, or... 120 miles then. <laughs> you're in a helicopter or um, a plane like um, Arizona, northern Arizona down to Phoenix. I think that was about you know, two hours. And, uh, oh. you know, a King Air prop. So 
slow ride. You know, if you oh, this is something we haven't really talked too much about about your uh, uh, flight nurse, uh, flight medic experience. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, like, tell me, like, what kind of the, let's talk about Oklahoma. Like, how many, what, what type of calls did you get? Would you get called for traumas? So, uh, the flight service I worked for in Oklahoma was a rotor wing. Look, they also had a fixed wing. They had several bases. And literally, when you'd show up, depending on what base you're where, it was like, hey, I'm taking a rotor, I'm taking a fixed wing today. You know, we kind of sat around and picked what we wanted. So, we would do a lot of scene calls, you know, um, a lot of lake stuff. And uh, one of my, you know, busiest days, I landed at a lake where this guy comes over in a uh, inflatable dinghy on a backboard with a monitor. And being from New York, I'm like, this isn't real. <laughs> but, <laughs> but meanwhile, I'm like knee high in water because uh, the crew on site was exhausted. The guy had uh, crashed into a uh, tree in a lake. So weird. Wouldn't believe it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, pretty bad case, you know. And then um, when we got the helicopter, the pilot's like, all right, well, we can go to Texas or Oklahoma City. And I said, which way is shorter? He said, Oklahoma City. But we're still talking hour and 15 versus an hour 20 because the headwinds dictated where we went. Local trauma center. I believe we were in South Oklahoma, on uh, Hugo, Paris area. Mm-hmm. So quite a ways to take your traumas out pretty far. Yeah, it's funny. Like being here in New York City, you're just thinking about traffic. There you got to consider wind uh, and the weather. Definitely. Yeah, that's weather's a problem. Wind is also a problem, and diversion is uh, non-existent. Your uh, diversion is once you land. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because uh, when you're up in the air, there's uh, there's not much help, and you can't change direction too easily. Um, once you're heading to no, we c- we could. We had the um, you know, the ability to do that and change direction for our destination. But we're talking, you know, if you're halfway there, the double back is a uh, is a big deal. Or, you know, tornadoes were a big deal out there. I remember one time we took off from Wichita to go to, I forget what town it was, western side of Kansas, and there were some storms coming in, and the pilot told us, hey, you guys got 45 minutes on the ground. If you're not, you're going to go to Denver. So, um, you know, you got a boogie, or you end up in another city and stay overnight, which happened frequently. It wasn't no. uh, uncommon. We all had jump bags with us. So going to work there was not a see you later for dinner because you – some t- often you wouldn't come back home for dinner. Would you be gone for like a day or two? Yeah. I mean, when, when you leave for work, you're like, all right, there's a good chance I won't be back for another day or two. Extremely high chance. Uh-huh. And then when you show up to like a lot of these scenes, were there already uh, medical providers that are handing it off to you? Or are you the first initial contact on some of them? Uh, no, there were always providers there because th- there are local EMS everywhere in the country. It's just the level of what's there is not, you know, not the same as a flight team. Okay. Additional training. Okay. You know, your flight medic, flight nurse is not your uh, new medic coming out with lack of experience. It's pretty seasoned and um, comfortable in taking charge of the scene and controlling, you know. Okay. Things. And there's also procedures that flight crews can do that ground crews are unable to do. Uh-huh. Now, like, how how is it like taking care of someone in, like, say, a rotor wing compared to the back of our ambulances? Um, space. Yeah. yeah. You're like laying on top of your patient. It's a couple times. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you know, there was, um, the King air. So I'm a pretty tall guy about six, three. So when you stand up in a King air, I'm not standing up. Yeah. I was so, about to say, uh, tell everybody that Darby's not like your mini medic. He's like, uh, two mini medics on t- top of each other's shoulders, if anything. So standing in the rotor wing is like 
So there is no, there's no standing in the road away. Like, that's just not going to happen. I mean, when you stand up, you've got to bend at your waist and lean over, or you work from your seat, and usually you can reach everything. Mm-hmm. So I can't think I've had a time where I've had, had to really get up in a rotor wing, but in the fixed wing, you got to get up and move because the patient's laying, you know, front to back, and you got to get in a position and, you know, intubating someone in a crotch down position, which is uh, extremely difficult, mm. you know, at best. It's hard to do it when you're standing up, but let alone, you know, crotch down with turbulence going. Have you had to intubate a patient in the rotor wing? Um, no, you, you do that before you take off. Okay. <laughs> you, you do that. I mean, I've had some instances where it came close and, you know, you, you question that, but I did have an incident in the fixed wing where I had a guy seize mm-hmm. about 10 minutes out from landing. Okay. And, um, it was actually a very difficult airway, unable to, um, intubate him. Uh-huh. I actually had to have a ground crew come on and, uh, give us some assistance. And my, um, partner actually used a backup, um, King airway. Okay. Cause we couldn't visualize and, um, Mm-hmm. While attempting to intubate, we uh, caused some tracheal uh, swelling. Oh, so but that was um that was pretty much my worst landing call ever had. Yeah, and then uh for the rotor wing, or actually for both, do you guys have uh, mechanical ventilators, or are you just having to bag for the whole hour? No, no, we had uh, mechanical ventilators. We had you name it, we had it. That's one thing about flight crews. There's no lack of um equipment. Okay. You know, we had everything. You know, we had a complete pharmacy with us from um, TXA to antibiotics, you know, complete crash caught. Everything in the back of your bus plus more we had. Oh, wow. So there was no shortage ever. Yeah. Equipment. And you're never going to go through all the equipment. If you go through all your equipment, then your supplies, that's a really big problem. You're probably not going to make it to the hospital. With this no. <laughs> no. But then you also have to strategize on, like, uh, what equipment is near you as far as, like, the priorities. Like it, a, you, like with an ambulance, you box. could get up and walk and like reach here. But for like a rotor wing, you pretty much have to work from your seat, right? So it's like everything has to be within arm's reach, at least the most important stuff. So it is. So my, I had one partner I worked with, and the vent was literally next to our heads. He could reach behind and just touch the buttons and turn the vent on. Yeah, oh, by feel. That, by feel, mm-hmm. and with the helmet on, I couldn't even see it. It was just that close. And then if I was flying in the A-Star, which I flew a lot, it was so small, the monitor would be on my shin. Oh. So there was, uh, you know, there's no movement. Literally, if you can't reach it, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty tight. Yeah. It, it, very tight. Not pretty tight. Oh, wow. So it's um very tight. Yeah. So you have a lot of good transport experience, even in the air. Yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of ground also. Cause, mm-hmm. um, we'd have to get fixed wing. We'd drive 20 minutes away to pick up the patient. So it was a lot of ground component mm-hmm. in addition to the air. Unless you're doing a scene call where you're landing the helicopter on the side of a road or a lake or a football field, there was still a big ground component that was that was needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you don't know Darby, he's always pursuing the next educational experience. I don't think there's been a day that he's not going through another course or another degree. So which leads me to like, well, what are you doing right now as far as medical? Uh, right now, not much actually. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I've actually stepped away from typical medicine and I've picked up herbalism. So I would say I've become a pretty strong herbalist that I've been able to help people. And that's actually helped me with COVID a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing what alternative medicine, mm-hmm. um, can do and the, um, the reaches of what is really out there that we have not accessed. Uh-huh. And once you get into it really deep, my medical background has helped me to figure out the specific receptors where 
normal medicine works and also these herbal remedies, which are, there's no difference because aspirin, penicillin, that's all from a plant. Mm -hmm. And the only difference is big pharma makes these things synthetic. Mm -hmm. And the problem with being synthetic is you miss out a lot of the coenzymes. Yeah. That sort of like have the effect that cause it to work even better. Correct. Mm -hmm. So, you know, quick example, if you have a Ferrari with, you know, slicks on in the rain, how well is that going to work versus rain tires? So your coenzymes, your rain tires, Mm -hmm. like you need the vehicle, you need the powerful vehicle to get Mm -hmm. things moving and turning your body properly. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the coenzymes to uh, help it out, there's really no point. You know, that's why people take calcium and on top of it. And osteoporosis is still a thing. Mm -hmm. If calcium was a key, why is it still occurring? Yeah. You know, that doesn't, that didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. That led me to dig pretty deep into um, herbalism, taking a bunch of classes Mm -hmm. and figured out what plants, you know, I can get certain nutrients from and how to access them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, you don't want to be practicing, you know, voodoo medicine or witchcraft or something like that. You got to (laughs) find. That's what a lot of people think when they think about like working with plants. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to figure out the enzyme. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that we don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just just a brief. We won't touch on this this episode, but CBD, Mm -hmm. the the cannabinoids. I mean, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. We didn't even know about that system until, you know, a few years ago because it was illegal to purchase hemp as a Mm -hmm. regular person in this country to like 2018. Yeah. So, you know, that's people that smoke marijuana would swear by that. But Mm -hmm. hemp is uh, minus the actual loose genetic effect that's in there. So there's no getting high on hemp. So it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Even though it's confused. Mm -hmm. So you, you're really uh, applying it to more of a scientific degree. You want some scientific background on what's really working too, on top of like alternative medications that come from plants. Correct. Yes. So it's not that way people don't think it's all voodoo magic. There's actually been science done behind it and the numbers will dictate whether or not it works. Right. Right. Um, The problem is that there's not a lot of studies doing it because it doesn't make money. Mm hmm. You know, it costs about $5 million to get a drug approved from the FDA. Mm-hmm. But how do you substantiate that for um, an herb that I grew for $2? Yeah. I mean, how do you make money and mass produce that? Yeah. You know, you really can't. You need space and time, and time is money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you'll have a scientist or a chemist that will create what looks similar. But there are a lot of coenzymes that we just cannot test because the tests just aren't there. Mm-hmm. So you may have, you know, like, let's pick vitamin C, for instance, mm-hmm. regular water soluble vitamin C that we all take. You take a 500 milligram pill, only 20 percent actually hits your bloodstream. Yes. So, you know, the I believe the FDA recommends about 100 milligrams a day. So you take that one pill, you think you're good. But the problem is we're all vitamin C deficient. Mm-hmm. And a lot of um typical Western medicine doesn't um, push push or substantiate or appreciate the depth of what vitamin C, not only, but other vitamins can do and will do for your body. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of alternative medicine doctors out there that do believe in it. And I've actually worked for a couple of them. And I honestly thought this is a joke. Like this is not real, but I used to do hyperbaric medicine also. Oh, okay. And you'd watch these people walk in with Alzheimer's and then walk out walking straight. But the problem is you, using hyperbaric medicine, hyperbaric medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chained at a university is, uh, in South Carolina, Columbia, I believe mm-hmm. I got my certificate. Um, glutathione. 
let me tell you, super antioxidant, wonderful. But the problem is with these supplements, it's not, it doesn't stay in your body. They're all water soluble. So you have to continue taking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you've also uh, said to take other supplements that'll help increase the absorption of those vitamins. Is that true? You should also take some? Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, the problem is finding what works mm-hmm. because a lot of things that you're, let's just say your grandma would tell you, oh, take this. And I'll <laughs> give one everyone knows about is vitamin, not vitamin C, um, chicken soup. Uh-huh. So what do the hipsters call chicken soup these days that they charge a lot of money for? It's called bone broth. Oh. <laughs> I mean, your um, bone broth is amazing for your immune system. It comes from the marrow of bones. You know, it takes a day or two to make, but it boosts your immune system. Like, it's outrageous. Yeah, and I've seen, like, that's pretty much the medicine that's been given out by grandma from Asian countries and Caribbean countries. Yeah, also Jewish, too. Yeah? So, you know, the difference is our grandparents didn't know what they were doing, but we have the ability with the evolution of science to test what's going on. And now, you know, bone broth, I think I bought like four cubes, like two two cubic inches, so like 12 bucks mm-hmm. at a farmer's market. I mean, the stuff's not cheap, but it mm-hmm. works. I mean, you just got to, you got to try it. Yeah, and then normally that's something that they would scrap. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you think about chicken soup, how do you get more collagen in your body? Chicken feet. Mm-hmm. You can actually add that in. Very uh, big delicacy in the Asian, mostly Chinese culture. Southern also, yeah. Yeah. And the problem is calcium. Let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. Calcium is not the major portion of your bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cartilage is. Yeah. So Ooh, you got to get some collagen. Yeah. Get some phosphorus and boron, you know, mm-hmm. and vitamin D. I mean, if you Good for the hair, too. Yeah, definitely hair, nails, skin yeah. for the ladies. Definitely help prevent those wrinkles, you know, that are that, you know, inevitably happen inevitability inevitable inevitable (laughs) yeah so like what has sort of like uh brought in more of your research in this or testing these different supplements or vitamins out um you know having kids Mm -hmm. back in 2005 my first son was born and you know you couldn't find organic stuff around like it was hard to find it like difficult Mm -hmm. and you know one of the major grocery chains had a, a lot of stuff so that happened and then you know you're eating healthy or what you feel is organic and you wonder like what's going on why are why are we not perfect they're still getting a little sick like i don't get it and you kind of feel like you're doing this for nothing mm-hmm. so that caused me to look deeper mm-hmm. and you know figure out what vitamins do work and what vitamins don't work and one of the major brands that everyone loves you put it in water it doesn't dissolve mm-hmm. well we're all water yeah. So if I take something that doesn't dissolve in a glass of water or even vinegar that's acidic in front of me, well, how's it going to hit my body? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Very true. So that's another thing. And then you had other brands come out and um, they call them whole vitamins, mm-hmm. which would be ground, you know, fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Much better, much better than the old vitamin. But the problem is people don't want to pay for those. They're expensive to mm-hmm. produce. And then even with the dried um, vitamins, you lose a lot of the active enzymes that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, you're not isolated. You can't just shove, you know, a vitamin and be like, oh, I want it to work. Uh-huh. Like everything is, you know, it's like a circle. What's the weak link in the chain? Yeah. The one that fails. It has to be like a homeostasis of all the other uh, vitamins and minerals that have to go along with it for it to work. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about medicine. There are some things that medicine western medicine has figured out like calcium 
and uh, protein. Mm-hmm. Like if there's not a good balance, there's no point. Like okay. you can jack your calcium levels up, but if you don't have the protein for it to bind to, it's inactive and pointless. Uh-huh. So, you know, and I always wonder why. Why have we not figured that out with vitamin A, vitamin C, B, zinc? Mm-hmm. Like these things are so useful. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it's um, pre-workout. Uh-huh. Everyone loves pre-workout. Yeah. And you know what pre-workout does? It causes your endothelium to produ- produce nitric oxide. Oh, okay. Guess what? Vasodilate. Right. Mm-hmm. So you get more blood flow, more perfusion, more oxygen, more mm-hmm. glucose to the muscle. You can perform better. Mm-hmm. Now, guess what fruit or vegetable, we can call it, does that? It's been studied. Beet juice. Oh. <laughs> I mean. You wouldn't it, think. No, but it it's a precursor to nitric oxide uh, in your blood. No wonder those Russians get pretty good pumps. They love those beets. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, those things work. Mm-hmm. But you just got to try it and you got to be willing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, chemistry will concentrate it. But to eat as many vitamins as you need currently with a depleted soil, it's difficult. No, they weren't uh, like these vegetables are now not able to create them because they're not coming out of the soil. Yeah, they're just not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're over farming what's going on. That's why older people are like, well, what do you need the vitamins for? Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're not present, mom, grandma. Like mm-hmm. they're just not there. I mean, what do you want me to do? Like you got to you got to take the vitamins. Oh, I mean, very you, true. You have to either take a good vitamin supplement that you trust mm-hmm. or you got to get actual raw food but the problem is let's pick kale you can't really digest all the kale like raw, raw kale is not as good as like slightly steamed kale uh-huh. break down break down the cell fiber wall. Mm-hmm. you know as humans we can't break down cell walls mm-hmm. soluble fiber we just can't do it that's why um cows mm-hmm. have more than one stomach they regurgitate and reprocess their food uh-huh. over and over extract mm-hmm. now like another big thing, uh, a lot of people who are into fitness is like high protein diets. I've heard like good things and bad things about it. What's your opinion about that? Everything's now like get as much protein as possible. So if you go from a regular diet where we're carb rich here in the U.S., mm-hmm. I get it. It makes sense. But if you go to the extreme, you're going to have a nitrogen imbalance and you need glucose to process, mm-hmm. you know, the protein. You just can't break down protein and get into glucose. Like you need some carbs. And if you look at people who are no carbs, they're like, oh, I'm not losing weight. And then you see them add a little carbs. They look shredded and they're confused. No, you're not confused. You just didn't have the fuel to utilize the building block. Protein's mm-hmm. a building block. You need the fuel to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, without the cement, the brick doesn't form a wall. So is that sort of like against the keto diet because there's really no glucose intake at that at that point so the keto diet mm-hmm. actually puts you in a ketosis mm-hmm. which is causes your body to break down stored fat uh-huh. which acetylcholine a very helpful and but at some point you have to stop keto because you're not going to have any fat left mm-hmm. so keto's dangerous Mm-hmm. Long term, long term, short term. If you're having trouble dropping weight, it's great. But the problem is when you come off that keto diet, unless you're really pushing and watching and counting, you're going to put back on the weight. So it's not a real uh, long term sustainable diet. I would say no. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a, a long term sustainable diet. But the thing is, if you have someone that's overweight and their insulin resistance is up and they have got high blood pressure from being you know heavy. It'll fix symptoms. 
Okay. And modern medicine, we we realize symptoms, but we got to get to the root cause of why something's broken. And a lot of our lab values don't show us why what's broken. And if you do get a doctor that does them, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Like they're not cheap. Your insurance is going to look at you and say, no, we're not going to pay for that. Yeah, they're not standard tests. No, not no. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, insulin, um, insulin resistance level is not a standard test. For diabetics, a standard test is hemoglobin A1C. Oh, yes. Well, all that tells me is your sugar was high. It doesn't tell me you're resistant mm-hmm. or how much you took in, you know, your actual insulin load. Mm-hmm. Those are things you really need to know to figure out what's wrong and fix the problem. Because if the problem was just take more insulin, why are our diabetics still getting amputations and having, you know, coronary artery disease and hypertension? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we need to fix the root cause. But then I think those just still continue their diet because they sort of given this magic potion to continue it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, diabetes usually doesn't hit right away for most people in the country. Type 2 occurs, which mm-hmm. is uh, later when your pancreas just says, hey, I'm done. Mm-hmm. The uh, beta cells inside your pancreas, no one knows, poorly understood why they stopped working. But, you know, you can say, well, you stress the heck out of it for how many years eating fast digesting carbs that cause your insulin levels to spike. Mm-hmm. They got to pump out all the time now. Right. So now they're like, all right, I'm done working. I'm tired. So now you got to manage it. And what people do is, oh, well, let me count my carbs and just load more insulin in. Mm. Oh, it's not really the ideal way to do it. I mean, cutting out all carbs, let me tell you, that's not going to happen for most people, mm-hmm. including myself, mm-hmm. because carbs actually produce sugar in your body mm-hmm. and that stimulates dopamine. Yeah. And dopamine, what makes us feel good. Yes. That's why people stress eat. Mm-hmm. People like chocolate and cocaine. Mm-hmm. People do drugs because it makes them feel good. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just those very addictive drugs that bring up the dopamine levels that's right. most. Definitely. Yeah. Now, so, uh, you know, given the times right now, uh, what have you found sort of that been helped you through uh, th- this high infection rate in COVID? First of all, tell us like how how you be, you've been working through the COVID floors, right? Yeah, definitely. So the COVID era here in New York, man, let me tell you, that was like. That was like an MCI that never ended. You know, yes. I've done MCI drills with the fire department, FEMA, and just every day you wake up and you're thinking, this is another bad day. It's like a bad dream you can't get away from mm-hmm. and you can't check out. You're like, well, I'm not going to do it because that's what I signed up to do. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I would honestly say that might be, I could never imagine what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like you can do all the MCI drills you want. Yeah. To walk into a unit where it's they're historically normal patients and you had a couple ICUs and then literally there are 50 people dying on vents, you know, in one room uh-huh. and where I was, we had about 10 ICUs. Wow. So anywhere from uh, you know, 12 to 50 people and makeshift ICUs were places where you're just not used to dealing with that and the patient load, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking normally an ICU nurse takes two patients at a time. Busy. Yeah. And we had four and five sometimes. And now, then, did the hospital originally have 10 ICUs or did they expand? No, they had to expand. So since surgery stopped, we took they took all the uh, recovery rooms mm-hmm. and turned those into ICU um, areas. Uh-huh. And also there were non-clinical areas that were turned into ICUs to accommodate the mass influx of patients mm-hmm. that were, you know, just kept coming in. Yes. You know, it was like a little kid play with Legos and like, boom, here you go. 
you got 20 more. <laughs> you know, it's, it was uh, pretty surreal, you know, just walking around in fear of not dealing with a, a virus that you just don't know how it's really spread, the conflicting information that you're getting, you know, and the fact of running out of PPE. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't run out of PPE here in here in the U.S. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah, we, like, throw it away, like, as is, like, a uh, tissue for your nose. Definitely. So, you know, as a person, you know, you're fearful for your own life. You know, what's going to happen? You mm-hmm. know, are you going to catch it? Are you going to die later? You know, there's some coworkers that have gotten sick that I've seen, you know, and they had horrendous, you know, outcomes, had some coworkers, families die to take care of. Mm-hmm. It's um, rough is an understatement. Like there are just some things you can never unsee. And, you know, being the demographic of what was dying in these ICUs, like these guys look just like me. Uh-huh. You know, so, you know, you walk in as a guy in his 40s mm-hmm. dying could I be the next dude in his bed? Yeah. And, you know, when it originally happened, you, you think about that, uh-huh. but, you know, it's like any MCI as a medic on the street, you know, you got to throw it in the back of your head and do what you got to do. But the difference with this is it was every single day, you know, six mm-hmm. days a week, long hours, you know, and it would just be code after code after code. And it's unfortunate that it became, callous like i've been a nurse a long time Mm -hmm. and death is not something that's new to me yeah but just to continuously see it every single day and and then we ran out of spaces to um store the bodies Mm -hmm. and there was a point where the funeral directors were not coming to pick them up yeah because they were getting filled up filled up also right so you know you got the human side of you people dying alone and you know you don't want to go and hang out in the room and you know spend too much time and be the next victim because guess what? Who's going to take care of you? True. And that's, you know, it's extremely scary. So I start to do some research and read some journals from China and see what happened. And I, I was actually very happy to find out that um, green tea and polyphenols and um, elderberry and vitamin D were like key into curing some of their patients. And I also read some studies that vitamin D actually, if you're sick, potentiate I think, interleukin-6, which is a inflammation factor in your body and COVID is actually produces a massive cytokine storm that Western medicine just does not know how to deal with because we've never had to before. Mm-hmm. And the similar thing that we deal with as a medic, when you resuscitate someone and you get ROSC back, mm-hmm. well, you find out a day later the patient died. Well, I always used to wonder why. Mm-hmm. Well, I met a really smart guy out at the flight company. I used to work for wrote a reperfusion injury study and it made sense. Mm-hmm. Oxidative stress. Mm-hmm. Well, what in the ho- what takes care of oxidative stress and free radical scavengers? Mm-hmm. Vitamin E, we all know that, right? Mm-hmm. Vitamin C is another strong one. Polyphenols, basically your vitamins and your vegetables. Like these things take care of it. But how do you get enough in your body quickly to, to deal with that? Mm-hmm. That's where Western medicine, in my experience, just did not pick up on it. Have you seen anyone like not within Western medicine that have done studies at saying like those extreme cases of patients that had like, uh, you know, the cytokine storm, large inflammation. Do you see that anyone do any studies with that? Just the one from China that I read uh-huh. and, um, just, you know, my personal experience, mm-hmm. like I was actually taking about 20 grams of vitamin C daily mm-hmm. going to the ICU. And, you know, PPE and this virus, I believe it's smaller than the um, N95 
mass particles. Mm-hmm. So technically, that virus will go through the mask and mm-hmm. you will inhale it and it will have contact with mm-hmm. you. And the only reason I'm still here hanging out with you guys six days a week working in the ICU, being surrounded, is because of my supplement intake. Mm-hmm. There's no other reason that I can actually you know, attest to. You yeah, know, You just can't be that lucky because you walk in a room, it's in the air. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's in the air. It's in the hospital. You know, there were no negative pressure rooms for an entire hospital. Mm-hmm. Like it's floating in the air. And I believe it's it hangs out in the air for about two hours after. Mm-hmm. Like certain rooms we can't put non-COVID patients in afterwards because the fear of the particle still circulating in the air. Mm-hmm. So you got to eat when you're in the hospital. Yeah. And so you take your mask off. So you all, you're exposed. Yeah. And to be honest, you're not like perfect in your practice. You might just slip one minute walk into the room that next to or stand next to someone that's infected. Definitely. And you already uh, gave up your chance in protecting yourself. Yeah, I mean, mm. definitely. I actually had a friend who tested negative originally for COVID and we were sitting across the table. Baby was just born and he's talking to me. Then he came up, he was sick and he came up positive. So I've definitely had positive um, interactions. Exposure to a lot of them. Mm. Right. Uh, my antibodies came back slightly positive. Mm-hmm. So there's some arguments about that with the high dose of vitamin C. It can be considered that my immune system didn't make the antibodies mm-hmm. because of vitamin C, the free radical scavenger actually took care of the job and did mm-hmm. it for me. Before it attached to any of your cells. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how have you like shared this with anybody else in your like coworkers and how maybe they could, you could set them up for success with good amount of vitamin C. So the answer is, yeah, my coworkers believe in it. Like I, they used to laugh at me. Uh-huh. They'd, they'd call me like, oh, Donald knows about those vitamins. Talk to him. And a couple of them, they didn't really believe until they were like sick. And I went and made them some tea it's from uh, Jamaica, the Caribbean, uh, guaco, I believe it was. I made it for a couple doses. And my coworkers like, wow, I feel better in a day. What is it that you made? What tea? Guaco. Uh-huh. It's an herb that's uh, pretty difficult to find here mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. But it's a Caribbean herb. And it's. Where did you find it? herbalist man <laughs> herbalist i gotta tell you they're herbalists these um small and i'm not talking about these chain vitamin stores i'm uh-huh. talking about your neighborhood juice bars where the guy has actually studied or vi- your local vitamin store not mm-hmm. the chains these guys know their stuff and you need to support them and really pick their brains you know there are books you can buy like healing herbs you know you read the books there's tons of youtube videos where mm-hmm people have gone through and done the research yeah. but you just have to you know give it a chance and think outside of what you've been fed because if what you've been fed is not fixing it you need to seek alternatives mm-hmm. now what do you think is causing people not to really take in this kind of knowledge it's not new right this is like ancient no. time medicine no it's not new at all mm-hmm. not new at all you know, people are set in their ways. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's primarily what it is. And when you take herbal medicine, the onset usually takes a little longer than a pill. Mm-hmm. Let's just pick for our listings. You know, if you have pulmonary edema and you have respiratory distress from CHF, you take a shot of Lasix mm-hmm. and boom, that works instantly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not quite the same if you take an herbal remedy for that. Mm-hmm. But guess what you can do? Asparagus. Mm-hmm. Super diuretic. Yeah, doesn't work in five minutes, but give it 30, 40 minutes. You're definitely going to have, you know, the effect of urine and the effect is actually getting extra fluid out of your body. Mm-hmm. 
So there's everyday alternative stuff that we eat that we just have no idea. Yeah. Like, let's pick uh, Mexican food, cilantro. Oh, that's my favorite. So cilantro actually pulls heavy metals out of your body. Oh. No. And definitely not a problem with me. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's, I'll go back to the dentist. Heavy metals, um, aluminum um, fillings. Uh Uh-huh. You can't get those anymore. Yeah. The doctors only want to do porcelain, but your insurance company doesn't pay for it. Oh. (laughs) So you now have something that's medically necessary, but they don't pay for it. And now it's porcelain. So the difference between aluminum and porcelain, the porcelain doesn't leach into your body. Uh And heavy metals is found to uh, um, potentiate Alzheimer's and make it worse. The aluminum is also found in deodorants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here on Long Island, deodorant is a big problem. Like we have a breast cancer issue with females. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, groundwater with dioxane 6 and aluminum. You know, the problem with the aluminum is it blocks your lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. And your lymph nodes are extremely important for clearing toxins out of your body. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of the lymph system. Mm-hmm. So if you poison the system that takes out the garbage, where is it back up to? Yeah, the locations. And it does make sense since a lot of people with breast cancer, you know, using heavy metals and the location, the heavy metals placed like right on the armpit, right next to the breast. Yeah. There's a good uh, association why it's being caused in women. Definitely. I agree. And um, there have been some hospitals, um, one of the big cancer hospitals in the U.S., they've actually adopted, you know, diets to assist in anti-cancer, anti-tumor effects. Mm -hmm. And they're extremely effective. You know, you can try anti-tumor medication. Let's just pick chemo, for instance. Mm -hmm. Well, chemo is not selective. It Mm -hmm. takes out good cells with bad cells. Yeah. So... That's why a lot of people feel sick after. Yeah, super nausea. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, why would I want to kill my good cells? So there's other ways to do it. Mm -hmm. There's anti-inflammatories, anti-cancer, anti-tumor herbs, but it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. You know, you're alive for 30 years and now someone's telling you, hey, by the way, what you're eating is bad. Yeah. Don't do it anymore. And your brain's like, but that tastes so good. That dopamine. The dopamine. Uh. That limbic system in your body is like, we want what we want, mm-hmm. but what we need, we don't always want. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Yeah. You know, there, I've met people who doctors said, Hey, you're going to die of breast cancer. It's a girl in uh, Pennsylvania. Her mom was uh, supposed to be dead. You know, I think he gave about a year to live. And it's like six months later, six years after I met her, mom's alive, kicking well, breast cancer's gone. So it's a, it's a real thing. You just got to believe and push in it. I mean, it's not a one-shot deal. It's not like, you know, you build a sidewalk and there's a sidewalk. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to keep putting effort. It's a different lifestyle. Like, you have to change your lifestyle. But now it's much easier with the advent of social media and people being aware of how to help themselves. And Facebook groups where people share recipes. You know, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, just to name a few. Like, you can really find YouTube, you know, ways to help yourself. Mm Because there's people just like me who sit out there and, you know, much smarter than I, who I've learned from. And, you know, it's just amazing. And by accident, during um, COVID, I started taking some mushrooms. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a mushroom syrup that I actually bought uh, from Etsy. They were out of Kansas. Mm -hmm. Something Rivers. I can't remember. I'm sorry. The location or the company? The company was out of uh, Kansas, where it came from. They They started in North Carolina. It was a family. And I was originally looking for turkey tail. 
because I saw that was like great for immune system. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, COVID can't kill me. Like I need to add something just like to ramp up. Mm-hmm. So I actually found a um, syrup that was full of lion's mane, shaga, reishi, and um, turkey tail. Mm-hmm. So I took that for all of March and I didn't get sick. And, it, you know, not the greatest tasting thing, but it helped. And I actually f- came upon a video where NIH has actually studied um, shaga mushroom and lion's mane and found it to be like anti-cancer and anti-infective and immune system modulating. Mm-hmm. So that, w- that was pretty big. Like it um, potentiates your natural killer cells, which is a white blood cell in your body that actually needs to be triggered by a foreign pathogen. Uh-huh. So by intaking these mushrooms and you actually would boost your immune system, but you know, you have to take it the right way. Uh-huh. You know, you can't just say, Hey, I'm going to eat a mushroom because again, we can't digest certain fibers. Okay. And a specific fiber in the mushrooms is called chitin. Mm-hmm. And to get, uh, make that bioavailable so we can use it in our cells, you have to either heat the mushroom. Mm-hmm. It's about four hours or do a tincture, which takes six weeks. Okay. So now we're talking, we need six weeks to make something and we're impatient. Yeah, we are. But, you know, once you get over that impatience, I mean, it's, there's a whole world out there like elderberry, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe that's like 30 bucks a bottle and it's expensive. Yeah, it is. You know, you got four kids and you're trying to do right. Mm -hmm. What do you do? So I made it, Mm -hmm. you know, it's $30 a pound, but I've only used two pounds ever, but it lasts. The shelf life is three years if you make the tincture. Oh, but once you get that, that lead mm-hmm. time, you just stay on top of it and you label it, throw it in the back of the pantry and come back to it. And, you know, my kids are, they understand that, you know, this is, these are things that you need to take to stay healthy mm-hmm. They've been much stronger, you know, throughout that process. And we all know elderberry syrup because it's all over the media now to be yeah. sold. Like you can buy the kits. It's, it's common now. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm not doing anything new. I'm just, you know, taking what's out there and proven and if it's not proven by a substantial research study, you know, I'm not really interested. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't know what's, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors are real. Yeah. Just, and that's a problem. Like, how do you, like, if you were telling me to, like, try this out, how would you uh, gauge whether the source I'm getting it from makes a quality product versus one that's just, like, uh, over-processed it and we're back to just, like, having your regular vitamin C tablet? Right. So you got to look and find some studies mm-hmm. because, you know, you're not the only one out there trying to, to push and do this. You know, social media has made us been able to connect with people across the world. I mean, there's been some guys from the UK where I've seen how to make the double extraction tinctures. So that tincture that I was purchased was $30 for eight ounces. Wow. Yeah. So, it's um, you know, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to one, if you check out different sources, and then tell you the same st- story mm-hmm. and they don't have the same sources, you got to believe it's real. Uh-huh. And then if you look at a non-biased party that has studied it and it's cited, you know, everyone can't be wrong. Uh-huh. You know, that's how I evaluate whether it makes sense or not. Uh-huh. And, you know, the one that um, is really important that I found, I was very shocked about. I think it was Paul Stamen. He's a big mushroom guy. He loves mushrooms. I actually saw him on the Joe Rogan show. Um, I was taking that um, immune system syrup for a couple of months. And back in 2013, I had a bad um, slip disc from working out. I had to get get two epidurals. I mean, it was so bad. Like, you know, I couldn't even walk. I had to go to the airport and I was traveling with a wheelchair. And I picture me 
being wheeled into a plane in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm not that guy, normally. <laughs> um, so I had no feeling in the back of my left calf on the bottom of my foot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, about two months in of taking this syrup, I'm like, wait, some, like, did I get a slip disc? Like, did I work out wrong? Because anyone that's had sciatic knows what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And then I came upon Paul Stamos, and I started looking at NIH. Well, lion's mane actually potentiates neural growth factor. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually getting some feeling back, you know, my foot and my calf. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that was an accident for me, mm-hmm. you know, to find that. But, you know, the data supports it. So okay. the answer is I try things first. Uh-huh. And if I try them on myself and then my kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are things that are, that are, um, that can damage you. Like St. John's wort. Too much of that hallucinogenic mm-hmm. cause problems. You stay away from those. And there are Bibles, quote, Bibles that you can look up an herb to say, hey, pregnant women take, kids don't take. Mm-hmm. Those I stay away from. And if you look in there and say, hey, why don't you take it? Most of the time it's because a study hasn't been done. Okay. But definitely the ones that show causes female problems of reproduction, I do stay away from. Uh-huh. But most herbs you can look up and you can find it. But you, you have to know how to research and look at a, a, dr- a drug or a vitamin or an herb to mm-hmm. see what it is. Mm-hmm. Do you follow like a certain system on your research? Um, not a certain system, no. Or just take notes and then sort of connect the dots connect as the it dots. goes. Mm-hmm. Connect the dots. Um, take different sources. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't take from the same source because you're only going to learn what that source knows. Mm-hmm. And that's not the process of learning and bettering yourself. Mm-hmm. So... Has there been like research that you think that hasn't been published? No, I know you said it takes thousands of dollars to get FDA approval. Millions. Five. I'm sure it also just takes thousands of dollars just to do a study that might reach FDA approval, but just ran out of money. Definitely. Yeah. It, it definitely does. I mean, the problem with research studies are the person funding it. What's their goal? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I, if I fund you to find out that, hey, the sky is purple, and you come back and tell me, hey, it's blue. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I'm going to shut it down because that's yeah. not what I wanted. You know, science is not, it's not, um, everyone has a goal. Mm-hmm. And if the funders don't like your outcome, it's not going to be published. Yeah. But with the advent of social media, you have people at home doing these, you know, self studies with their families and, you know, they have real testimonials. Mm-hmm. You know, there's sometimes you can't fight a testimonial. Mm-hmm. Like you can see when in someone's face whether it worked or not. Mm-hmm. And Paul Stamos, his I believe it's his mother or his grandmother, he actually tried it on Alzheimer's or I believe it's cancer. It's escaping me right now, but he actually tried it himself mm-hmm. on his family member, and he's like, "Wow, it worked." Uh-huh. So I mean, so social media or even just like the internet now has been like more of the source for information sharing for these like unpublished studies or studies that are continuously going on. Definitely. Definitely. And I've actually found a lot of them come out of the UK or Canada. Why there you think? I don't know. Funding? I, no, I, I really don't know. I mean, they're just, I have an idea. Cause those people have more vacation time. <laughs> All right. I mean, we're hustling here so hard that those people that are either traveling or doing the research, right? Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a viable reason why that could happen. I mean, I don't, you know, put that past, you know, time is money. Mm-hmm. If you have time, 
you know, when I used to travel, I had time mm-hmm. to look this stuff up. I mean, if you're struggling going to work 80 hours a week, you really don't have time to do this. I mean, my job was on call. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with on time call? Do you either watch videos of some blooper or do you do something <laughs> to better yourself? That's true. It's time so, wasted looking at bloopers. Right. I mean, we all like bloopers. We all like fun, entertainment, sports. Uh huh. It's what it is. But do something to help yourself. Yeah. You know, don't waste that time. Yeah. You got to get up and help yourself. That's what it all comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't help yourself, no one's going to. Yeah. So now you were thinking of, you told me about you were adding uh, some of the your uh, mushroom extracts into your coffee. Yeah. Yeah. How's, how's it taste? So with the mushroom, there's almost no change in the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell a difference. I haven't tried it yet. You will. I will we'll see. I'm very. I, well, I say that now. I'm very sensitive to like different tastes. But watch me be like, I don't taste a thing. Well, you're the coffee guy. I hope your sensitivity is going to be better than mine. Yeah, I'll probably be like the mushroom guy afterwards. I'll give you like tasting notes on mushrooms instead of coffee. Yeah, now it's all good. Is there such thing as like a mushroom connoisseur as far as like like a sommelier yeah wine guy yeah so the answer is not that i know of you could be that i don't know (laughs) yeah i mean it's it it, it could happen you know so shaga is um the taste it's uh it's a mellow flavor and Mm -hmm. anyone that likes tea it's not horrible you know it's not extremely bitter like most um helpful herbs are bitter like they're rough like they're really hard to swallow and to take because uh-huh. we like taste and texture is a big thing for humans. That's what, that's how we enjoy things. And that's how usually we first like uh, describe our foods. Well, first I think we do it with our eyes mm-hmm. and then definitely with like how the, the taste and texture uh, yeah. of things. Definitely. Um, so the mushrooms, they have beta glucans. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone, your, your listeners, beta-glucans, we all know what it is. And I'll tell you which one that we all have been used to, oatmeal. Yeah. So beta-glucans is found in uh, yeast, fungi, and oats, and barley. Mm-hmm. So, But the problem is we can't break down that fiber. Mm-hmm. It's insoluble fiber. What does the beta-glucans do? So the beta-glucans creates a viscous fiber in your intestinal wall and slows down uh, cholesterol absorption. Oh, okay. So we have lower cholesterol. That's what they say, you know, o- uh, eat oatmeal, lower your... Oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a cup of oatmeal gets you about three grams of uh, beta-glucans. Mm-hmm. So, but the beta-glucans also modulate your immune system. They boost macrophages, lymphocytes, and natural killer cells. Mm-hmm. All things that fight infection. Correct, and cancer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... Why not do it? But the problem is you can't just eat the mushroom. Like you have to extract it, mm-hmm. you know, you have to either break down the chitin, the cell wall by heat mm-hmm. or by alcohol extraction. So either tea, four hours boiling mm-hmm. or um, alcohol tincture mm-hmm. for six weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this sort of like uh, goes against some of the people who have are like heavily on like raw diets. So raw, raw diets isolated is not the key from my experience. Mm-hmm. Will you do better than a McDonald's typical Western high carb process? Definitely. But you need to make things bioavailable. 
if it's not bioavailable, your body can't use it. Mm, it just goes through you. Right. It's like putting diesel in a gasoline engine, mixing the gas. Like it doesn't, it does nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Like you put it in there, but so what? Mm-hmm. It actually clogged things and slow down. Mm-hmm. And there's some things we know about drugs that actually, let's just pick um, hydrocortone. Mm-hmm. It's like a pro drug. Mm-hmm. It helps your body produce morphine. Mm-hmm. So what you take in is not always what hits your bloodstream in a usable form. Mm-hmm. So what you really want to do is push your body to create what it needs, mm-hmm. but you have to provide the building blocks. Yeah. It's just give, give the body all the building blocks and have it develop its own thing that it needs to fight against. Right. Because what you need and what I need are two different things. Cause guess mm-hmm. what? We're two different sizes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different genes. Yeah. You know, just like we'll pick something. Everyone knows that people of African descent are lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. Just don't have the enzyme to digest. Yeah. So you don't drink milk or what big, big companies did. Let's produce lactate. Yeah. I mean, how about you just don't drink the milk? Just don't drink it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just go get a nut milk. So, you know, that's just that's, you know, what you have to find out what works for you. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, this is. um. You know, my son's 15. Mm-hmm. This is like a 15-year process. This isn't, you don't wake up overnight saying, hey, let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you wake up saying, let's do it, but you don't know how to do it. Yeah. And if you don't have the support group around you to do That's it. That's true. To no one, it, you're going to be the only one, you know, like just yeah. doing that thing by yourself. Yeah. And let's pick up um one that I know you don't believe in. Coffee's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You know who gets coffee? NICU babies. Oh, yeah. So we have premature babies in the ICU. They get caffeine. They get more caffeine twice a day than anyone drinking cups of coffee. Mm -hmm. So it stimulates them to breathe. Oh, okay. So the mechanism of caffeine prevents acetylcholine from escaping back into your nerve synapse. Mm -hmm. So that's why it works for us. And that's why you get the crash. Uh Once once the caffeine is gone, you're like, boom. Uh Acetylcholine goes back across the membrane. Uh So... Coffee itself is not bad. Mm-hmm. What is bad is all the sugar. Oh, yeah. That you flavor it all up with. flavors. Mm-hmm. But if you need that much sugar in your coffee. It's probably not good coffee. You're not drinking Black Six. <laughs> you're not start. drinking Black Six coffee. Yeah, let's start with that. Yeah. You're, so, you're not a coffee lover. You're a sugar lover at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to look deeper into things like why. Mm-hmm. And you need a balance. You know. Do I think seven cups of coffee today is too much? Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's way it also has the diuretic effect that you talked about asparagus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, you know, and then the other thing is it speeds up your heart rate. A mm-hmm. bit. But, you know, you have two, three cups of coffee a day, not mm-hmm. a problem. But, you know, it depends what kind of coffee. I mean, you have a pour over that you make, Joe. Let me tell you, I've had a pour over once. Yeah. Way too much coffee for this guy. <laughs> way too much caffeine. That's not my thing, uh-huh. but you got to find what works for you. Yeah. And you got to do it. I'm not going to say moderation, but just, you know, you got to enjoy your life. This is work. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you don't want to be that 40 year old guy who looks 55 or 60. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be 50 looking 70. Mm-hmm. And the problem is it, it catches up to you. It does. It really catches up. And, you know, high blood pressure. Why do we always get high blood pressure as we get older? It's just all the crap we've been eating and no rest and exercise leading up to our age. So it's a chronic inflammation in your, in your 
vessels mm-hmm. that blocks the expression of nitric oxide mm-hmm. and causes dilation. Green vegetables. Let's eat them. I mean, that's, that's the quickest thing, but it's not, you can't do it for a week. Mm-hmm. Like you got to change your lifestyle. I mean, mm-hmm. I like sugar. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you I don't eat sugar. I love pastries. Mm-hmm. Give a sweet tooth. Real sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. I love it. But, you know, you got to take onus uh-huh. because, you know, medicine, doctors are not taught nutrition. It's now being put back in uh-huh. to teach them. And even nutritionists and dietitians in the hospitals, they're just not aware. And it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. It's the way we've been taught here as Western medicine. Yeah, exactly. Not to appreciate the leaf that came out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your liver is where everything happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you break down, you know, your byproducts and you combine the medicines and the food you take in and attach it to your cells and mm-hmm. get used. Mm-hmm. So if you have an unhealthy liver, which a lot of us do here in this country, I mean, mm-hmm. from my days of being an organ transplant coordinator, you'd see 30-year-olds with fatty livers. Mm-hmm. And you look at this guy and you're like, well, they're not fat. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's um non-alcoholic fatty liver. Mm-hmm. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, people who don't drink. So, you know, if your organs in your body, there's a reason why there's so many organs and they all have a different function. Mm-hmm. If you think about an army, everyone's got a different role. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have foot soldiers and go win a war or just you know, fighter drones mm-hmm. or a general. Mm-hmm. You need all those guys to work together well. You know, one person steps out, creates a weak link, and then it pulls away from someone else's job and role and it makes the whole team ineffective. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what your body is inside. You got to think about it. Like it, it's another job. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to say it's not. Mm-hmm. Like it is literally another job to keep yourself healthy. And well, if you think of it as more of a a lifestyle, like this just the way life should be to be in order to be healthy and live longer, right? I think it's hard, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Consider it a job that I do. No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's a great selling. That's just like lying to yourself. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's, there are days I go down a rabbit hole and it's just like, what is going on? Like, you know, my daughter one time, she had like these black bumps all over her body. And I'm like, dude, she's, she's a girl. Like she's never going to get a man. Like I need to fix this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like stressed, like, Big time stress. Uh-huh. Took her to a couple of dermatologists. I'm looking this up. They're like, well, we think it was ashy dermatosis. You're a pathological dermatologist. Like, you put this on your web. What do you mean you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, that started me to make my own lotion and, you know, understand, appreciate mm-hmm. things I need to do. And I happened, I think, once or twice, and that was it. But, you know, the diet has mm-hmm. definitely changed, you know, adding all these extra stuff in the house, you mm-hmm. know, MCT oil. So, you know, look, go back. I had a NICU baby. You know, my daughter, she's mm-hmm. about three and a half now, born in the NICU mm-hmm. um, a couple months early. And the docs are like, well, we'll give MCT oil. Everyone probably listening knows what MCT oil and uh, fractionated coconut oil is. It's just a broken down coconut oil that gets readily absorbed mm-hmm. into the intestines good for your brain omega threes omega sixes mm-hmm. and they would give these to little small babies in the hospital but they would wait for them to have a symptom and that symptom was weight loss oh why the hell am i waiting for weight loss mm-hmm. do it now because weight loss is like uh way late in the game I, that's what i feel mm-hmm. so you know i i gave her probiotics and um 
MCT oil, some other green powdered vegetables. How do they administer the MCT oil? Um, she had an NG tube in. So oh, okay. Put in a syringe. And mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, um, feed it that way. Uh huh. So it's not a problem to uh, administer that. It's not difficult. Okay. And again, not foreign to the hospital because it's there. Mm-hmm. But they have a different indication for starting the use. Mm-hmm. That legitimizes the use of it in just the, in a regular. It's being used in the hospital. <laughs> right. And then like babies are like two or three pounds. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, some babies, 800 grams. Yeah. yeah I pick up my they're, daughter. They're was, using it. <laughs> yeah. My daughter was uh, 1755 grams. So wow. 0.7 kilos. So pretty oh. small. And, you know, they told me she's being the Nikki for a month. Mm-hmm. And my answer was no. Mm-hmm. No, she's, she's going to get out of here. And, you know, I was lucky. I'd started my um, recent career as a PICU, as a NICU nurse, pediatric mm-hmm. neonate transport at another hospital. And I learned some stuff from them. Like I would feed babies who were like had cleft palates and difficult to feed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, my daughter's normal. Yeah. There's no way it's going to take me this long. And I was lucky to have like a preceptor who was like up my rear end, who taught me how to be like a hardcore NICU nurse. Mm-hmm. Like I had been a nurse for a long time already. So it was not... The concepts were not new, but she really fine-tuned what mm-hmm. I did. And I took that back. My daughter wasn't born at the same hospital I worked at. Mm-hmm. And the doc, like, humored me. Like, yeah, yeah, do whatever you want. She didn't think I was going to. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, my daughter sucked that bottle down, and she was eaten, and she was out of it in 17 days. Oh, wow. And those were the longest 17 days of my life. So back to the whole process of it's a lifestyle. If you mm-hmm. don't believe in it, it's not that I don't trust Western medicine. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I just need to add it in. It's restricted. It's restricted because if there isn't a study, they don't feel it's valid. Mm-hmm. And But then no one's studying it. And, you know, my thing is, it's my daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, and this all came from my kids, uh-huh. you know, just being, you know, trying to be the best dad I can. Uh-huh. You know, this wasn't, oh, I want to you know, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or want to get 4% body fat or something like that or stay young forever. Mm-hmm. It literally started out of a need of trying to help them be the best, you know, little people they are mm-hmm. and keep them healthy. Cause you know, being a parent's scary. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, obviously I'm not a woman, but you know, pregnant mm-hmm. women to me like scares me. And mm-hmm. I think maybe cause I see what happens when it goes bad. Yeah. But even after that now, I mean, you see kids that are normal, they walk around and you're like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, it, to me, there's, you see a dad cry mm-hmm. and can't help his kid. I mean, it, there's nothing more that moves me than that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my drive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's where it came from, and that's where it's going to keep pushing. Now, yeah, I want to talk about, like, our, like you said, our genes sort of, like, differentiate us. And, you know, during COVID, you know, being in Long Island, we saw, like, even just being in New York, we saw, like, how minority communities were more highly affected by this virus from your experience. Why do you think it was that case? So, yeah, this is a hot topic here. I I, I think so because there's so many angles. So, you know, we were fed that, you know, minorities, heavy diabetic, high blood pressure Mm -hmm. were the people that were dying. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That's what I saw. Yeah. But city hospitals in Manhattan, Mm-hmm. The population wasn't black, mm-hmm. they weren't, weren't African Americans. They weren't African, you know. They weren't Indian. They were. They weren't brown. Uh-huh. They were dying too. Yeah. So, from what my summation is, it's proximity, and it's cultures. Okay. That live communal. 
Mm-hmm. So if you have a culture that very lives true that lives in tight, like in Queens, everyone lives in tight. Uh, right. That are that are minorities that are in that have to live really close proximity, or they they right. depend heavily on another family member to provide for the whole uh, family, right? I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just say what it is. I mean, the white folks in Long Island, you know, where they live in a house and they come home, and you know, mom, dad, couple of kids, mm-hmm. not on top. There's no second or third generation living in the house. You're not on top of the neighbors. You're not sharing an elevator to go upstairs. Well, if you talk about viral load, mm-hmm. am I going to shed some viruses off to you? Definitely. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You're not going to have 20,000 viruses shoved in your face from yeah. constant being re-exposed. Yeah. So it, it's. I don't think it's a culture-based uh-huh. or that. I think it's close proximity. Yeah, because then you did say the city hospitals in Manhattan, which are more... In closer proximity to a more uh, like the the white community, yeah. but they have to live closer together because it's New York City. Or you know, you pick. There are some religions that mm. fail to yield the um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They fail to yield the social distancing. Uh-huh. You know, like there's a church I went to, Catholic church. You go sit in the pews. There were either outside services mm-hmm. or you sat apart. But there are other religions where it just said, no, nah, we're going to do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that religion had a high incidence of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that same, you know, religion sometimes has other outbreaks of things. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's genetic or hereditary. I think it's a constant re-exposure on top of one another. Okay. And if you're poor, you lived you know, eight people in a two bedroom, just exaggerating it. Yeah. So you're constantly walking back and forth uh-huh. as opposed to, you know, my kids, you know, they go upstairs in the attic, the boys, the daughters, my daughter's down in her room, you know, this space. Mm-hmm. So your immune system has time to work, mm-hmm. you know, just like vaccines, vaccines don't work right away. Mm-hmm. So if you're slightly exposed, your immune system can say, Hey, that don't look right. Mm-hmm. Let me create a memory cell mm-hmm. to attack that. Yeah. But that can take weeks. That's why they always check your titers, right? To Correct. see the efficiency of your vaccines. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, but if you're constantly being bombarded mm-hmm. with that viral, that pathogen, your immune system, the first immune, first step of the immune system, it's broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know what it's fighting. It's just, oh, let me throw a little couple of white blood cells at it. Yeah. It doesn't throw a memory cell. Memory cells, those things are like snipers. Mm-hmm. But there's not a sniper in every corner. It takes mm-hmm. time for them to get there. Mm-hmm. You got to wait for the specialist. Uh-huh. The problem with COVID is you couldn't wait for the specialist. <laughs> I mean, you it was know, just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed your system. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just decided kinds. And, you know, from what I found from being looking at the lab results, and, you know, from where I worked a couple different places, it wasn't. The lungs was the symptoms, mm-hmm. but you know, I'd look at the labs. I'm like, why did this guy die? Like his numbers look good. But then I thought about back to my training, you know, the liver breaks down cells that don't look right. Mm-hmm. So COVID actually mimics ACE2, ACE inhibitors. For so, respiratory Right, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are producing your lungs. So now we have this pa- foreign pathogen 
that blocks a receptor site and attaches to a blood cell. So what happens when it goes to the liver? It's like, hey, you shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So now it cleaves that red blood cell. So here's the problem. You have more garbage in your body mm-hmm. than you can excrete. So the breakdown of the red blood cells, bilirubin. Mm-hmm. So now we have elevated bilirubins that are being tested, and that's been in all the COVID patients. Normal test bilirubin, not hard, mm-hmm. not a crazy test. Well, what happens after bilirubin? The body's got to recycle it. So now we have free iron. Mm-hmm. Free iron gets into your. So they're like, uh, considered like a anemic, like symptoms. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So you look anemic. They're short of breath. It's just like for our medics out there. Mm-hmm. You have carbon dioxide poisoning. Mm-hmm. Your pulse ox reads a hundred percent, right? Yeah. But clinically, the patient don't look right to you. Yeah. Like so, oh, we, and with COVID, it was like. 60% oxygen, but they were still maintaining. You're just like, right. what is going on? Because they had perfusion. Like we, we confuse hypoxia with lack of perfusion. They're independent. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that we like modern medicine doesn't really split it. Mm-hmm. So you have this bad red blood cell. The liver does what it's supposed to do. And it says, Hey, let me break you up and recycle you. So now the end product is free iron. Well, free iron is caustic to your mitochondria. So you have cellular death and the mitochondria will all your powers producing your mm-hmm. body. ATP. Energy producers. Mm-hmm. So we had people dying with good lab values. Mm-hmm. And why are they dying? Mm-hmm. Because the mitochondria are dead. Cell death is really what caused the problem with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, it, and also COVID actually caused a constriction of your spleen. And your spleen is a major organ of your immune system. Mm-hmm. That gets rid of pathogens. So now if I can't get the garbage to the site that destroys it, guess what? Mm-hmm. I have a dead person. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's simple. also a big reservoir of like replacing your red blood cells once it's down. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now your sat's low. And, you know, because now your body is acting like you're a sickle cell patient. Mm-hmm. Similar. Yeah. So you have very few usable red blood cells that can carry oxygen to your cells. So you have the train is working, mm-hmm. but the cars are empty. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And, and the issue is we I don't know of any free radical scavengers that we're using properly, not properly to mm-hmm. the level of handling this and the other disease process I can think of young people, college kids and teens meningitis. Mm. I mean, it hits kids in 24 hours and they're like, what happened? Well, the cytokines, the histamine release, Mm -hmm. like we just don't treat that. Like antibiotics, all they do is kill. They stop it from replicating. Mm -hmm. They don't go in and like pull it out and be like, all right, let's start over. Remove the existing organisms that are doing the damage. Right. It Mm -hmm. just stops the growth. But the problem is like meningitis, it replicates so fast your immune system can't catch up Mm -hmm. and you honestly hope that you can support the body with a ventilator and iv fluids and so Mm -hmm. forth and covid was the same thing i mean we need free radical scavengers Mm -hmm. and we need to the tune of high dose vitamin c polyphenols Mm -hmm. and uh you know some mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) but um acutely the mushrooms would not work Mm -hmm. but from my experience um the vitamin c definitely is a game changer Mm-hmm. And it's um so in the middle of March, uh, one day I came to see the kids, and you know why? 
she actually works in ICU. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, wow, this is real. Like, you know, now it's like, I'm not at work, but I'm looking at something like I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, you know, at that point, all I knew was you go to the hospital, you die. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, wow, my kid's not gonna have a mom. Like, this is like, what do we do? Go to the hospital let her die or, you know, magic herbalist, <laughs> what, what do we got? Mm-hmm. So um, you knew the outcome of one anyway. Why not try the other? I did. I did. I, I definitely knew the outcome of one. Um, but it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. So she got high dose vitamin C and um, some other herbs I had that I made a concoction of, and you know it worked. You know, I mean, she was hypotensive, hypoxic, like it's it was a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know, for me firsthand, and I gave it to a couple of neighbors also. So I've seen it work in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's, and to this day, she'll tell you, you know, people that have COVID, they said they know what death feels like, mm-hmm. you know, I've never had it, but you know, just to see it. So I'm a believer. You have know, you seen anyone share that kind of uh, high dose vitamin C in, uh, in like this COVID type world right now? So not or really. is it just like w- what they've had experience before COVID? Like, Hey, I've been like, not having your common cold or flu for the past three years because I've been on high vitamin C. Have you seen someone been using it during? You're like the only person I know. That's why I'm asking this. So the hospitals were using um, IV vitamin C, uh-huh. but the dose just was not high enough. Okay. And the problem with vitamin C, IV vitamin C, you need energy to transport into mm-hmm. the cells. So now you have your pulling energy from an already stressed system Mm -hmm. and you know there's no data so some physicians were trying it some were not and from the data that i found you know from uh, dr paulings i mean these this guy's like back from the 60s Mm -hmm. linus paulings we're talking like 15 20 grams 50 grams a day and now the fda only recommends half a gram a day Mm. so how do you get someone in a stressful time to say, hey, let me give 20 times a dose mm-hmm. with no data. It's not really going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just, you know, it's very difficult, you know, to get someone to believe in something that there's no data when their whole existence is data, uh-huh. and evidence-based practice. And I can't blame them for that. Yeah. You, you, you just can't. Yeah. But it's the free radical scavenger. Mm-hmm. And vitamin C, let me tell you, it, it'll, it's not a work tomorrow. Uh-huh. It's a work right now. And there's been doctors that have actually cured polio in the past. Oh, I think I've heard of this trial. Mm. But the problem is vitamin C is cheap. It doesn't make <laughs> money. It, it it just doesn't. I mean, you know, goats make 70 milligrams per kilo when they're mm. sick. Uh-huh. We can't make it. So if you see a goat that's sick, they're really sick. Mm-hmm. Dogs also make vitamin C. Oh, wow. Sick. These are why these animals can, you know, eat dirt and... They just heal. Mm-hmm. They're they're just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they're vitamins and nutrients we don't make. We need to take in, mm-hmm. and this is something that's just not appreciated. Now, have you written down like all the stuff that you tried during COVID? I've written it down. No, I mean it's it's all in it's my all head. The head. Like, if you ask me what it is, like it's there. And this wasn't um, the plight of my push was always just uh-huh. to keep the family safe. You know, for my parents and mm-hmm. everyone else around me. Mm-hmm. 
So it's, um, you know, if you ask, I'll share, but it's, you know, between looking it up and making it and studying it yourself, you know, pushing it on other people who don't believe. Yeah. That's another full-time job I don't have time for. Yeah. Just, this is just, this is more for me. If you believe it or not, it's worked for me. Right. Kind of right. And, and if you want it, you know, I'll, I'll tell people, Hey, I'll, I'll make mm-hmm. you some. Yeah. I think we got to, uh, put that down. We could share it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, definitely there's a, it's a guy on Facebook. It's actually orthomolecular medicine. Oh, wow. Okay. So again, these, these physicians are like, they're animals. <laughs> like they go down deep uh-huh. in what's going on. Uh-huh. But big pharma doesn't push that. There's a reason why um, drug reps are not allowed in hospitals or offices anymore like they used to be. Mm-hmm. Because a physician would write a script based off of, hey. Kickbacks. Kickbacks. Anti-kickbacks. Right. Mm-hmm. So now they're they're half as much. <laughs> I mean, they're still there. But, I mean, it's all money driven. And once you get over that, that, you know, you need to help yourself. Yeah. You know, grandma... Castor oil, mm-hmm. omega three, omega sixes. Uh-huh. It's, it's what's in it. Uh-huh. You know, does it taste horrible? Yeah, yeah, definitely horrendous. Or you know, if we look at whales, mm-hmm. they eat krill. Yeah, so krill eat spirulina, I believe, or corella. Mm-hmm. I mean, the algae in yeah. the water. Mm-hmm. Perfect balance: omega three, omega six, alkaline, mm-hmm. zinc, magnesium, manganese. So, if you can become a whale. <laughs> from eating algae and they're I mean I can't I'm eating McDonald's and I become oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you know it's it's looking outside the box and mm-hmm. you know when you do find these supplements they're good they're expensive and people get you know pushed off by that you know like oh I can go to McDonald's or some ch- chain yeah and eat a smaller meal but I guarantee mm-hmm. if someone hung out with me for a weekend they'd feel like their energy re- levels through the roof uh-huh. you know it's just a different way to eat yeah the convenience is there too there should be some way you could add convenience into eating a healthy lifestyle so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna mention the place like mm-hmm. when i was down in texas there was a place called snap kitchen mm-hmm. and you could walk in pre-made meals made that day not old you had your vegan option mm-hmm. you had your vegetarian option you had your paleo option oh okay so no matter what you were uh-huh. you can grab something and go Mm-hmm. So they're there. They're not really, and I believe Styles P has a juice bar in the Bronx from the rapper. Yeah, yeah. So it's common. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know what? We're losing those like '90s rappers left and right, and Styles P is probably doing the right thing. He's still around. Yeah, they're not getting shot anymore. Now they're getting <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> diabetes. Yeah, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart attacks. So there's a resurgence now mm-hmm. of you know healthy foods and juice bars are actually coming up pretty good because big companies have realized they can make money that way. Yeah. And you know, if you think about it, the um, meat alternatives, mm-hmm. I don't even think McDonald's has one yet. A meat alternative. They just have, they just call it like a veggie burger, isn't do, it? Do they have one? I, I think so. So I was at white castles. I know you guys didn't hear that. Uh-huh. They actually have like a beyond slider. Oh yes. I saw so, that. I haven't tried it. And um, I've actually tried the Whopper, the um, the Beyond Meat one. Yeah, uh-huh. I've had the patties. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, they always trick me there; like it's almost there. Yeah, so it's um, I think people are finding the consumer is going to dictate what corporations give us. 
Yeah. If you ask for it, it's going to come. Mm-hmm. But you have to know how to ask for it. Yeah. You know, it's. We have to ask in mass. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, meats and dairy, the advent of the railway and refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Great. But bad. Because mm-hmm. now we're shoving things across the country in food miles. Like mm-hmm. Destroying the ozone and pathogens expand over time. Mm-hmm. You can't stop the growth. You're taking one pathogen that was bred in LA and now transporting it to New York. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, like let's pick pork for instance. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows you have to fully cook pork, right? Yeah. Because of pathogens. You can't order that medium rare. No, but it's the way they're slaughtered. Mm-hmm. You know, I went hog hunting one time in Texas and I kid you not, we brought this hog back, had a party, pig roast. I know that hog wasn't done. It was pink. No one got sick. Uh-huh. But you know what the difference was? It wasn't processed with other animals. And yeah, it wasn't hanging out in the pen the whole time. It was no, once like it was a free-range hog. Right, free-range hog, shot, picked up, thrown in the fridge, butchered. Mm-hmm. So, and also there's in the farm, I forgot I was watching a special, I think it's Forks Over Knives, where the guy was processing chicken outside mm-hmm. as opposed to in a meat um, packing area. Mm-hmm. And he swabbed it. He had less pathogens than what was in a factory. Mm-hmm. And what was allowed by FDA, and this guy's outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so, the others are pretty much like slaughtering chickens inside a petri dish, right? So I don't know what's what's what is it really? You got to educate yourself. Like our yeah, ancient uh, ancestors probably had it right. Right. So you know you got to think about is modernization the best thing for us? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great, man. The internet's great. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the internet, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Barcodes. You wouldn't be able like to hear that. this. Right. Yeah. You know, information. I think the internet now, before it started off as a storage medium for, um, you know, companies, but now it's like information. Yeah. Without information. I mean, that's the hottest commodity. Yeah. Time and information. If you can put those two together, that's, that's a game changer. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to have, uh, we're going to have tons, you have tons of, of information. I think we're going to have to have you back here. Uh, I think I wanted you to speak with someone else who's going to be talking about superfoods in the near future. A friend of mine who got trapped in Colombia. I told you about him. Now he's growing all these superfoods in a farm over there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love that. I'd like to see you guys nerd out about like nutrition. We can do that. You know, the thing is, there's no one superfood like these commercials. Like, oh, this is the best superfood. Yeah, it's like a, you have to pack your fridge. Like, no one just has Gatorade inside their fridge. No, no. it's uh, There isn't just one. Yeah. You know, you got to eat a diverse diet mm-hmm. of, you know, the colors are important, you know, because the colors are different polyphenols and different vitamins. Like, mm-hmm. they're really, really important. And if you think about fruit and vegetables, they're seasons. Mm-hmm. And we don't eat, let's pick apples. Mm-hmm. apples all year round that wasn't natural before you should cycle your body mm-hmm. and let's just pick apple juice we get apple juice every single day of the year and it's like a crazy how it gets here well apple juice is stored in vats for like nine months so mm-hmm. the apple juice is old mm-hmm. let me tell you everyone knows food spoils yeah so it loses properties right. every second so now just like I, coffee i've just spent money to get empty calories mm-hmm did you do your body the best? Yeah. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, do you need to have a juicer in your house? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you need to have a cold press juicer? 
Yes, you do. <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, and some people argue if you juice, you get a sugar hit, like you take the fiber out. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you don't go juicing. You, mm-hmm. don't, you don't make a smoothie with three apples in one eight ounce jar. Like mm-hmm. you just do it just enough to taste. Yeah. And it takes time. Mm-hmm. And you'll actually shift and you'll actually appreciate the bitter, you know, the bitter's good for you. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, go like the bitter coffees. Not really. Yeah, you can keep that. <laughs> we'll keep that. Yeah. Well, yeah, Darby, thank you for coming in today and telling us about your experience with uh, COVID and plus on what you've sort of strategized in keeping yourself healthy. There's, you know, the physical barriers that we create, the PPE to keep ourselves healthy. But I think uh, definitely your strategy of making yourself um, proactive in defeating the virus if it gets in somehow or any other pathogen is a good strategy in leading to a long, healthy life. And I think uh, you got to tell us on how we could incorporate this in our daily life, I think, in, in another podcast. Yeah, I'd be glad to. I think uh, the new coming coffee flavor, though, is going to be Lion's Mane added. Yeah. So I think that's coming out in the near future. You guys could uh, watch out for that in your local cold brew. Yeah, I think we're going to try to add that in there, see how it tastes, and see how we could uh, keep its healthy effects, like you said, within it. And... uh Maybe we'll just experiment with each other and see and like give our trial on how well we've been feeling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I already started. (laughs) So, yeah. We got to share that information, like how you felt from before and then like how how you're feeling a month from now. Yeah, sure. Glad to come back. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you again. Uh, We hope to hear more experiences of your work in the the ICU and then also as a herbalist and then maybe some other things you could share with us as far as nutrition and exercise. You're a big exercise guy. I think I've seen you running around my neighborhood a few times. (laughs) Running around, big dude riding through on an orange bike. Yeah, either either running or riding his bike. I'm like, I know who that guy is. There's there's not that many six foot three black guys around my area. (laughs) (laughs) Riding through looking like he's on an e-bike, but he's really just pedaling, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, we're going fast and smooth. Yeah, it's a, it's a process, but uh, I'm glad to come back and help you guys out, help the listeners uh, improve their health and stick around longer so they can buy some more Black Six coffee. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Donald Darby, everyone, if you uh, want to read more about him and his, the work he's done, we're going to share on our website at blacksixcoffee.org. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this podcast, and everyone have a good day. Thank <laughs> you.